0: Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences.
1: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Baltellini.
2: Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we've got plenty of interviews to get to today for your listening pleasure including interviews with two of the individuals from this past weekend who made some noise in the mixed martial arts world. Of course, Balal Remember the name Muhammad By now, you should remember the name. He just had a fantastic five-round performance over Vicente Luque, the only fighter who had finished him previously in MMA, came out, showed out, and looked great. Now, back in the top five of the welterweight division in the UFC, and another fighter who, unfortunately, had his dreams essentially snatched from him. In just a moment, after his fight with Vadim Nemkov, it's Corey Anderson, fight ended up being declared a no contest, and he thought for a moment that he was going to be winning a million dollars and the Bellator Light Heavyweight Championship. Unfortunately, that was not the case, and he now has to wait for a rematch against Nemkov, but uh, he was the underdog at the time. He will not be the underdog next time around. had a great performance up until the fight ended in unfortunate fashion. Some Canadians competing on this weekend's card. We'll have a chance to speak with them. Charles Jordan taking on Lando Venata, and a short-notice assignment for Marc-Andre Berrio, who will be taking on the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright. Looking forward to seeing these Canadians compete. They will both join me on the show this week, as will Tyson Pedro. He's been out of action for a long time, nearly four years away from the cage. Had a lot of different injury rehabs, multiple surgeries, but back in action this weekend against Ike Villanueva. That's going to be an interesting bout. We'll see what Tyson Pedro looks like after such a long layoff. And another fighter with a long layoff, Mike The Truth Jackson, after his win over CM Punk, which was overturned to a no contest. He's taking on Dean Barry this weekend. Looking forward to seeing what Mike The Truth Jackson does in his return to the octagon. He will join me. This weekend. So, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Let's get right to it. Here is my interview with Bilal. Remember the name, Muhammad. Well, if you don't yet remember the name, you're probably watching basketball on a Saturday night because Bilal Muhammad gets it done, re enters the top five after a a revenge win. Uh, Although I hate to say revenge, a guy as nice as uh, Vicente Luque, you don't really want to call it revenge, but you got that one back. Congratulations. Uh, Quite a fight night and uh, quite a fight.
1: Uh, thank you, brother. Yeah, you know, it, th- like I said, there was nothing personal with it. There's no uh, there's no revenge uh, Like such a good guy and even after the fight uh, Just the respect between us two between our teams uh, Nothing but respect for that guy. Yeah, you know it was for me. It was more so just uh, Proving myself. Uh, I had a lot of doubters out there saying that I was gonna get knocked out again Saying that same thing was gonna happen. They couldn't wait for uh, me to go to sleep and uh I'm just happy to shut them guys up, shut all the people up. And, you know, finally, I think I'm gaining. I already had a lot of respect over my peers, but a lot more. Like, I think there's a lot of fighters out there that post, like, oh, great fight. Uh, the way that he fought Luke was uh, very smart, very uh, good. Uh, and I showed a little bit of everything. I showed a lot of stand-up, showed a lot of grappling, showed a lot of wrestling, timing, everything, and uh, everything worked out perfect, honestly.
2: Yeah, really, I think the well-rounded game is what we really got to see on Saturday. You know, Half the fight took place on the ground. You had control. I don't know if, if it was all entirely on the ground. It could have been the clinch as well. But the control time registered as about half the fight, which means that the other half of the fight was on the feet. And I thought that because you were able to do such good work with the grappling, it made Luke more tentative than we're used to seeing him.
1: Yeah. Uh, our whole biggest game plan was to strike when he thinks we're going to grapple, grapple when he thinks we're going to strike, and uh, just not be in front of him. He's so good at planning in front of you and uh, hitting you and hurting you because his feet are planted. So we worked a whole lot of movement in this uh, this camp. Uh, even when I was hitting him with clean shots, I was like, you know, I want to sit down and go even more. But then I'm like, all right, be smart, be smart. He's going to come back with something harder. He does that a lot of the time where you'll hit him and then he'll come over the top of something or come underneath of something. Uh, he's so good at it. So it was like we didn't want to be there to, to get hit back.
2: I think the five rounds really played to your advantage as well because Luke had never fought five rounds before, and I think he was being a little bit more conservative than we're accustomed to.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, – also, I think the body shots, the body kicks, man. I was hitting it with some very good ones, uh, and I'm sitting there like, bro, this guy got a, either got the best poker face in the world or he just got ribs of steel because I'm like, they're landing some clean ones, and I was sitting there hoping, waiting – uh, for him to start like dwindling down a little bit, dwindling down a little bit. Uh even after the fight, he told my coach, like, yeah, those body kicks hurt a lot. Uh, but like he didn't show it at all during the fight. I think that those played a part in like, you know, him slowing down a little bit. And then also just making him overthink. You know, when you're when you don't know what the guy in front of you is gonna do, you don't know when he's gonna shoot, you don't know when he's gonna hit you, uh, and then you're constantly moving. We wanted to frustrate him and I think that we did a good job of that.
2: I know you wanted to finish in that fight, but looking back at Vicente's resume, he hasn't been finished in almost 10 years. So, I mean, tough, durable guy. Uh, were, you, were you disappointed that you didn't get the finish, or were you just going to take what the fight gave you?
1: Honestly, obviously, I, I want to finish all the time, especially from, you know, that's the, the knock on me is the, the finishes. But like you said, it's like, when's the last time Luke has been finished? When's the last time Wonder Boy has been finished? Uh, I'm still putting these guys in very bad spots but uh, I'm just right there it's close. Uh, I'm at the edges, you know, just getting that, that, that finish. I thought, uh, honestly, uh, when I took him down, I thought there was going to be a couple times where he'll give up the back and give me a spot to, to take advantage of but he did a very good job of getting up properly and not uh, leaving any openings for me. And uh, he, did a, he was always exploding. When it was time to get up, he'll explode up very well uh, where I couldn't get anything clean, but... Honestly, man, I, I was landing some clean shots. I thought one of those was at least going to rock him. But like you said, the guy's tough as nails.
2: He got you with a good shot. I believe it was either in the second or third round. Uh, how hurt were you? You weren't really on wobbly legs. You recovered very quickly. You were throwing back. So I don't think you were in any real danger at that time. But it seemed like he, he hit you with some good ones.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, he caught me with a good hook. But uh, like I said, I, I recovered very well uh, real quick. I just wanted to get my wits about me again. I was here in my corner. Uh My defense, like, we work so much defense this whole camp uh, of just trying to keep my hands up, being smart, because, you know, I think that was one of the ways that he called me the first fight is dropping my hands when uh, they should have been up. So, like, subconsciously, my hands are always up this whole fight, just being smart with it. And, uh, you know, like, I proved a lot to myself that third round, too, where it's like, dang, is it happening again? I'm about to get knocked out again. You you know, it's I'm not about to let this happen. And, like, the whole lead-up to the fight, uh, you know, when you're fighting a guy that knocked you out before, you're, you, it always goes to your head. Like you can sit there and be confident and say, uh, it it doesn't bother me or anything like that. But yeah, I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm thinking about is this is his first punch that's gonna land, gonna put me to sleep? Am I like, if I go out there and I get knocked out by him, like, honestly, I'm looking at like, am I, am I still gonna keep fighting? I'm not. I'm not. In the, I'm not here to fight to be second place. I'm not here to fight to be. Uh, just another name on the roster. I want to be a champion. And if I would have went out there and I would have got knocked out uh, and lost this fight, there's probably going to be a, a, a slim chance of me getting a title shot anytime soon. Uh, and a, a loss like that will put you back a couple, a couple of years. So like, there's a lot riding on of this fight for me, personally and mentally.
2: Well, I'm glad you admit that because a lot of people won't, at least before the fight, admit that having been finished in the past by a fighter that you're going to have a rematch with, that plays... On your mind in the entire lead up of the fight, as soon as you enter the cage, I mean it's basically déjà vu. You're in there in the in the cage once again with that same person. So how hard of a mental barrier is that to overcome? And do you do you actually feel like you did overcome it, or did you just kind of have to battle with it for the entirety of the uh, the camp and the fight itself?
1: Yeah, honestly, man, it, it was it was tough. It, the like the the camp, uh, I was fine with it. It was it was all right. But then when it gets to fight week, that's when your your nerves start kicking in. That's when uh you know you you get a little bit of doubts. You, you start overthinking things like did I, did I work hard enough did i do this enough did it should i did a little bit more of this uh, does he see something that, that i don't see why is why is he confident and like the the lead-up videos from the ufc uh, does he know something that i don't know uh, and then the ufc's posting the highlight the whole time fans are posting the highlight the whole time of me getting knocked out and then a lot of it is like I've had so many guys work so hard for me, man, uh, guys that, you know, have other jobs that came into the gym to help me train, came into the gym to, to give me a look. And it's all surrounded for me and it's all around me. And it's uh, it's like. I go out there and I lose the first round, I get knocked out the first round again. It's like I'm, I'm obviously going to i mean my these, my brothers and my training partners that like they're not gonna be disappointed like they they want the best for me no matter what but like i'm gonna be disappointed that i wasted their time and uh i didn't want to do none of that like a lot of guys sacrificed a lot of things for me and uh you know every victory is is a team victory and a family victory so like there's no way i was gonna go out there and lose uh i told myself man like i, I told myself in the morning that morning like I was in the room looking in the mirror, and I was like, dude, I'm, like, I'm, I'm ready to die in there. I'm not going to go out. Uh, even if he rocks me, if he hurts me, man, I'm just going to keep uh, going until I can't breathe no more.
2: Well, I should mention that there's only been one time you've been finishing your career, and it was that Luque fight, right? So he's kind of the boogeyman for you <laughs> going into that fight. If, if you really think about it, I mean, you can talk about Hamzat, Kamaru, and all that, but you've actually been in there with this guy, and we saw what the result was of the first fight. So, uh, I mean, is that basically true? that Basically, Luque going into this fight is kind of the boogeyman for that reason. Yeah, honestly, it's literally that. Like the UFC,
1: I mean, uh, Ali's calling me with fights, and he's like, "Yeah, pick Gilbert, uh, Chimaev, or uh, Luke. Which one of these guys you want?" And I'm like, "Oh, give me Chimaev. I was like, G- give me, give me, give me Gilbert." And it's not, like a lot of it's because you know I want to fight those guys, but also it's because, like I said, I want to avoid fighting Luke. Like I don't want to fight him again. Like last time I was in there, I, I lost to him and I got embarrassed and I-, I got knocked out. But what if it's and he's been knocking people out after me. He's been putting people to sleep. He put uh, former champions to sleep. He's putting uh, guys to sleep with chokes. And it's like, I, I don't want to fight a guy like that again. I don't I don't. I don't want to be in there with a guy like that. Like, give me a different test. Like, I've already felt what this guy does. And it didn't feel good. So I, I'd rather fight somebody else that I don't know. There's There's an unknown with those guys. And, you know, I was trying to get one of those other guys instead. But then. Like I said, I'm never going to say no to a fight. So when they offer me this fight, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm down. You say it confidently. But then in the back of your head, you're like, what did I just do? Hey, am I really ready for it now? Am I really good enough? Yeah, it, it, has it been enough time? Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it has been enough time. But, uh, you know, like I said, thank God. Uh, God bless me. God's plan is bigger than my plan and uh just having that faith uh and in him uh it brought me
2: through it so now obviously people are going to be asking what's next for you have you thought about that at all i mean obviously you had names that you mentioned (laughs) over the weekend but right now are you just looking to relax or are you looking to wait and see how things play out what's your strategy going forward and would you accept the fight with somebody ranked lower than you at this point in time or or are you just looking up
1: honestly i feel like it's either two names it's either kobe or chumaya um for me, when I'm thinking about it, I think that Tchamayev uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, if we get like a five round fight, I think that'll be huge. You know, he got his chin tested against Gilbert. Uh, let's test his cardio in a five round fight. Uh, because if I fight Kobe or if I fight uh, Gilbert and Tchamayev still out there and he fights somebody else and he beats him, he's still gonna skip in line if, if he beats that person in front of me to get the title shot. Uh, like I said, even me fighting Luke and then him fighting Gilbert, I'm like. If Gilbert beats him, all right, I'm good. But if Tamaia beats Gilbert, then Tamaia is still going to be next in line for the title shot just because of his hype. So like, I'd rather skip all of that, fight him. Uh, so I get the next title shot. So there's no other, there's no other doubt. There's nobody else ahead of me. We're the only two guys that haven't fought for the title. We're the, we're the only two guys that haven't fought Usman yet. Uh, I think that challenge wise, we're the two toughest tests for him challenge wise. And, uh, you know, I think it makes the most sense. Personally, I, would re- I want to fight Kobe just because I, I hate the guy and I don't like the guy. But, I, like, I don't think he would want to fight anybody tough. Like, he's not fighting uh, nobody in the top five, I, I, I don't think. And I think he's just going to stay on the sidelines a little bit more. So, I like to stay busy. Shemayev likes to stay busy. Let's get busy.
2: I just don't know who Kobe's going to fight if he's not going to fight someone like yourself, Burns, or Shemayev. I mean, the, the option unless he's going to move up to middleweight and try to challenge for the title there, he doesn't have a whole lot of options. Honestly, I, I like you see him calling out.
1: Uh, you see him calling out Poirier. I think that he's gonna sit there and push for a fight with like a Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz, something like that along those lines, because uh, he thinks he's a big money fight. And you know, with the UFC, they're gonna try to get anything that sells. So uh, like, who knows what they're gonna end up giving him? I don't think that he, he's gonna go to eighty five. I think he's gonna stay at seventy because he's pretty small. Uh, but yeah, like, I think it's gonna, if he, if he, if he does actually fight again this year, I think it'll be against like one of those guys. And if the like, they said they're, they're moving past Poirier and Nate Diaz. So maybe they are looking at Poirier and, uh, uh, Kobe.
2: I watched the Adestin series that you did with ESPN leading up to this fight. I didn't realize that your dad's store got burned down during the, uh, the George Floyd protest. So he's, he's retired now. Is that what, what he's, he's, he's focused a lot more on your career and, and being in the gym with you. Yeah, you know, uh, like I tell people, it's like kind of like
1: sometimes when you look at stuff that happened like that, when the store got burned down, we had it for over uh, 10, 12 years. Uh, and, you know, we wanted to put it back together, but it was going to be way too much money. But then that's when, like, literally the heart uh, of COVID hit and a lot of business, small businesses like that closed down anyway. Uh, so we're looking at maybe it's like a blessing in disguise. Uh, my dad's a bigger guy, so now, like, he comes with me to the gym. Uh, I put him through workouts. He's always like on the treadmill walking. Uh, like if I have like any errands to, to to run, he'll do them for me. You know, he he spends a little bit more time with the family now. So it's like when I growing up. My whole life, he was always working. Uh, when you're a Middle Eastern father, you're working uh, from sunrise to, to to sunset. Like you're 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 up in the morning at 7 a.m. You're not coming home until 9 p.m. That's it. And then you're going to sleep. And it's all the things. So he never was able to go to any of my sporting events. Never go to any of my uh, practices or anything like that. Uh, you barely see him, so it's like now he, he gets to relax, chill. Uh, thankfully, I'm able to to help him uh, with financially and things like that. I'm uh, I'm able to to do everything for him, so uh, now he gets to you know enjoy the spoils of uh, life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You always want that to be a position that you can be in if your parents work really hard to provide for you and your family to let them retire early to give them a, a higher quality of life in their last year like their late years i don't want to say last year but in their late years of their life that that's uh of course something that i think every kid wants to do for their parents
1: yeah honestly it was like always one of the the dreams of mine to i always told my mom like i told her i was gonna be a lawyer and i was gonna buy her a house and uh i'm a fighter and me and my brothers and sisters we ended up getting her uh the, the house that she wanted this year uh it was a dream house for her and uh it was a bigger house that I'm sitting there like, what are you getting a sick bedroom for? Everybody's gone. Uh, but she's always wanted a bigger house. So we were able to to get her that. So now they both live in that house. And, you know, my brothers and stuff, sister, whenever we come visit, it's always like it's a big family dinner, and styles like that at our house. It's, it, it's amazing now. It's cool now. And it's, uh, it's I'm just blessed I'm to, to be able to do that for my family.
2: So you have a bedroom there. I mean, there's six bedrooms. So now what yeah. you should do is put posters, like your fight posters up on the wall, like like you're still in like university, like all, all, the, all the things you like, you can decorate it like as if you, it was the room that you lived in before you moved out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm t- like my, uh, for Ramadan, like we wake up at like 4.30 a.m. To, to have like a little breakfast. So like all of like last week and uh, fight week, I'm sitting there uh, waking up and I'm like, eating, uh, uh, I mean, like, drinking a little bit of Pedialyte and having a a granola bar or oatmeal. And I'm looking at my mom's Snapchat, and my brothers are over there, and she's making, like, full-on pancakes, turkey bacon, eggs, potatoes, everything at, like, 4.30 a.m. And I'm like, I can't wait to after this fight. I'm going to sleep over, and I'm just going to stay there, wake up at 4 a.m., eat the best breakfast ever, and just sleep until, like, 4 p.m.
2: Are there, like, Ramadan strategies? Like, you want to you <laughs> almost, like, st- like, wake up in the evening and you, have <laughs> breakfast at, like, 6 p.m., go to mosque, then, then yeah. have your lunch at, like, midnight, have your dinner at, like, 4 a.m., sleep, and then d- rinse, repeat. Is, are there strategies for Ramadan? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, now, now that uh, I don't have to diet, there's going to be strategies. Like, literally, I'm going to sit there, have, I'm going to have a, a, a breakfast dessert, I'm going to have a, a breakfast, uh, a dessert lunch, a dessert dinner, and a lot of it's gonna involve cheesecake. Uh, but other than that, you know, there's a lot of people that uh they use the excuse of, oh man, I'm fasting, I can't do nothing. They'll just be at home, be like, la- use the excuse to be lazy. And I tell people like, bro, like, this is where you should be the most active. This is where you're, you know, uh, use it to get healthier. Use it to to stop, uh, you know, if you have negative things that you do, stop, stop eating bad during these times. But A lot of people use it as an excuse, eat a huge meal at night, then fall asleep. And then they're actually gaining weight during Ramadan. And I'm like, stop doing that to yourself. It's supposed to be teaching you to be more disciplined.
2: All right, but well, always a pleasure catching up with you. Yes, yeah. I mean, you don't have to work a nine to five, so you, you can you you can play with the the uh, the, the time zones a little bit uh, in terms of Ramadan. But uh, I always appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. I uh, Look forward to seeing what's next for you. I think that whatever is next for you is going to be big, and uh, you've earned that. It's been uh, you you look at uh, your win loss record. I mean, so many wins in the last uh, couple of years, and your, your improvement since your last loss is very very uh, apparent. So uh, thank you so much for doing this, and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you, brother. appreciate you. Pleased to be joined now by Overtime, Corey Anderson. Now, Corey, one thing I want to point out about your fight on Friday that nobody else seems to be talking about is I watched the, I guess, ending sequence. The referee didn't notice that you had a, a clash of heads. You were, I guess, sportsmanlike enough to point out that it was a clash of heads, even though the round was close to ending. And I think you deserve a lot of credit for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, like I've seen in the media, uh, when I did a press conference after the post fight, like, like, I was being a good sport. You know, who would know this? Being a good sport would come back to bite you in the butt. You know, all my coaches, actually, all my high school coaches and college coaches were there. And they came to me like, we're so proud of the way you handle it like a sport. You know, you did it because you're a good sport. But at the same time, you just, now when it's all said and done, like, I don't regret what I what I did, and I think I would did the same thing. But just who would know, being a good sport would have made such a whirlwind of, media and talk and all this stuff is going on now
2: ultimately though the reason you're doing this as a career is for your family i mean obviously a million dollars would have gone a long way but at the same time the kind of message that it sends to your kids if you go back when you're 50 60 years old and watch that with them and say you know i could have continued i could have continued to hit him i could have continued to hurt him but you know the, the right thing to do was to tell the rep what had happened do you think that is important in the in the grand scheme of things? I mean, I don't want you to have to look too far down the line, but I feel like that's an important thing for you to have with your kids.
3: Oh, 100%. Not just my kids, but a lot of people know I was a former I was a college wrestling coach. I was a coach at Lincoln College. But before I got into fighting, it was the same thing I told them, man. You always do the right thing. Like, we don't cheat. Like, you don't cheat. You don't cheat your way to anything. Steroid, you don't do none of that. I've never done any of that. I've always been honest. I always did everything the way it's supposed to be done. i you know, I she try to be as honest as I can all the time. I'm an open book and that's pretty much just another situation off of it. I just I hope my my athletes, not just my kids down the line, but my athletes can look back and see exactly the things I can tell them. Like here I am at the grand scheme of things, at the biggest stage in the world, fighting for the belt, would have won a fight, but instead I let the ref know like I've made a foul. You know, he thought he was telling me clean shot, keep going, keep going, clean shot. Coach was telling to keep going, keep going, but I took a second stop and looked up just to let him know that the elbow didn't land. That was my head. You know, I didn't realize the fight was going to be stopped after. I didn't realize how bad. The, I saw it was cut and it was blood getting in his eye. I didn't realize like as soon as he stood up it was going to stop the fight. I thought maybe they would take a second to give him, give him a second to get his wits back or maybe try to put some vaseline or something on it. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like nope.
2: Just pulled it all right from underneath. Me. That dude, the doctor, was not being paid by the hour. Like, he was in and out of there. I, I couldn't believe how quickly he made that assessment. Yeah,
3: I don't even think he actually looked, like, got a good look at it. Like, he turned and just saw. I mean, it was pretty deep. You could see from the pictures, like, he could see all the way down to, like, the, the bone area, but it was, like, he didn't even try to see if they can put Vaseline it from bleeding. But you also got to think in the fight game, it's like, you can get cut here, it's fine because you bleeding out. You cut here, it's fine because bleeding down. Well, like I said, when I was already still continuing to, Work when I was telling him that it was a cut. The blood was like his eye was already starting to turn red from the blood to get in there. So you got to think also, like, the refugees knew, like, if it get any worse, it was going to get his eye and get bad. But at the same time, they could have said, well, there's only three seconds left. Let him go and look at it in between and then maybe stop the round. But like I've also said, like, I don't know if I'll be happy today with the belt knowing that the fight ended with a head clash. I'd rather go out there and just solidify it the way I planned it on it in the first place.
2: Yeah, the cut reminded me of the uh, Tyson Fury fight against uh, Otto Wallin, where They had that big cut, and they just let him continue. <laughs> I mean, they put the Vaseline on it. I, I feel like they probably could have taken a, a longer look at that for sure before stopping it because, I mean, if that fight continues, goes into the fourth round, you land something, cuts the you know the, it's cut open again, you could win that fight in like 20 seconds, and it would have been uh, considered just a, an honest victory. So it's, it, it is kind of strange that they made that determination so quickly.
3: Yeah,
2: it is what it is now. Well, now you have to kind of grapple with this in your life after that kind of an outcome. Are you hoping to get this fight behind you as soon as possible, this rematch with Nemkov? Yeah, of course.
3: You know, I want my belt. You know, everybody can talk about this million-dollar check and blah, blah, blah. Oh, that is nice and dandy. Like, yeah, do good for my family. But I want the belt. That's all I want. I want that belt above my TV in the shadow box. And look at it every day knowing what I did and what I'm capable of. That's what I want. We all see what I'm capable of. We know what I'm capable of now. But the fact is, this unfinished business, it never actually happened. You know, that's what I want, I want to be over, and done. There's no ands, and for buts. It's not, well, what if? There is no, well, but. It's nothing. Just a go-ahead, clean-cut victory. I need that.
2: Have you and your team spoken to Scott Coker, rather, uh, about what a timeline would be for a rematch?
3: I actually, the next morning after the fight, uh, me and the family got up and went and got breakfast in the restaurant. We ended up going to Scott and Mike Hogan was actually there. There's no exactly date on it, we can't put a date on it, you know, because he's medically unclear, he's medically suspended. So he has to be clear before we can even talk about it. But they did tell me the damage was it was just cuts, you know. I and it was in the medical tent, I heard the one doctor tell him, Oh, it seemed like the orbital was broken, you gotta wait to get surgery. Then they took him into the hospital and they come to find the orb wasn't broken, it's just real bad cuts. So once the cuts heal, they say, We're going to push the fight right away. We're going get to get you guys back in camp. We're going to push this fight as fast as we can to get it over with. But there's no set date on when.
2: Do you feel like you've had a lot of bad luck in your career overall? I mean, you won the Ultimate Fighter, obviously, that was a big accomplishment for you, but it seems like you've hit a lot of hurdles over the course of your career, and a lot of it is just circumstance.
3: I won't say it was bad luck, i said I made bad decisions in fights, you know? And other times I truly lost. There was no complication. So the loss, it wasn't like I collided heads or uh, knee while I was on the opponent or anything like that. That was just me making mistakes. That wasn't bad looks. And, you know, like they say, they say, oh, you never lose, you learn. No, I say you lose, but you learn from those losses. And that's all I did. And that all just showed on fight night on Friday because all the stuff I learned from in my career, the different incidents in my fights, you know, the unblocked head kicks I used to eat, I blocked the head kicks this time. You know, the movement and slipping punches. I was slipping punches this time. You know, mm-hmm. and I just feel like there wasn't bad decisions or bad luck. This is the only bad luck I've had. I just made bad decisions throughout my career.
2: You were an underdog in the fight on Friday. You're obviously going to be a favorite next time around. But do you think that heading into that fight for Nemkov, he's going to have a pretty big hurdle to overcome mentally, knowing how those last two rounds went?
3: Oh no, I man, 100%. You know, you go out there and especially any fight – even if people say, "Oh, he might have been flat or something happened," it doesn't matter. You realize the way somebody like put damage or anything like that. Like my wife said all the time in practice, like all the training partners, like you know, fly me people I have I train with daily. It's like she said all the time, like training with you must be demoralizing it's because it could be one and one or be really close, fifty fifty on the feet. But once you get guys to the ground, it's like you just you just don't give them a break and you just keep that same pace and that same pressure. Where it's like you can see when guys get up in between the round, they're ready to switch out. Like I go two rounds, like I get another guy in, do another two rounds, and switch out for another guy for another two because it's like I put so much pressure on them on top. It sucks. So I know exactly, like I can only imagine how Namco Carl felt in those two rounds because I see it with my trainer partner. I like, know they're too tired to can keep going, have to get a fresh guy. So for him, you got to imagine that sucks. Like you felt it. So now you would think going in, He's going to do everything he can to make sure he don't get down there again because if he gets there, he knows what's to come. If he gets there, he got to figure out a way to get out faster or get out even better than he did the last time. But that's all. That's just a mental hurt that you got to face because you got to be able to stay calm when you hit the mat. Even though you know what happened last time, you just have to stay calm and poised enough to get out of it without it happening the same way. So, yeah, it's a to hurt over him. But at the same time, it's a hurdle for me. I got to make sure I can get him down there the same way. I know the way I train. I do the same thing in training. But at the same time, now he knows. So he's going to take time, go back, and uh, prepare with his coaches. So you got to make sure my game plan is still solid where I can do the same thing I did in the first fight.
2: Was there anything that he threw at you that was unexpected or a surprise uh, over the course of that fight?
3: No, I mean, you go back and you watch – since I beat Bader and did the media and they asked me questions about him and all my interviews leading up to the fight, I said exactly what he was going to do. Like, I, to the T, I called the fight out exactly. I told Big John McCarthy the day before the fight, the two day before the fight, exactly what's going to happen. Third round, he's going to be tired. I'm going to end up on top, and I know he's going to be paying for air, and I'm going to go out there and finish him in the fourth. It was going exactly how I drew it out, but the headbutt happened at the end of the third, and it just never happened.
2: So at the very end of the fight, there was a lot of confusion as to what was going on. Um, What did you think was going to happen? You know, once the ref, of course, stood Vadim off, you saw the fight was called off. Like, what what in your mind did you think was going to happen?
3: I mean, at first, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. But I even asked the ref, like, so what happens now? Like, when he stopped, like, so there's no contest, like, the fight over, the what? He was like, no, I should go to scorecard three rounds. And Scott Coker came in, I asked him the same thing. I'm like, no, 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 I think it goes to scorecards. I'm not sure, but I think it goes to scorecards. And then uh I can't remember who it was. Somebody was like, no, you you win, like it goes scorecard, you won. And I turned around and when they said that the million dollar check was sitting back, and that's when I jumped up on the cage and started celebrating. I looked over and saw my family. They had went over to get my family to bring them in the cage and my mom was crying, she was celebrating. I seen my family in the crowd celebrating. And then all of a sudden I jumped down from the cage and I jumped. I remember it was like the moment my feet hit, I like I remember telling myself, being your these, they don't blame me. I absorb my knees, absorbed to fall down, and I lift my head up. I see the state, the uh, check was walking out the door, going down the state, and I kind of look. I turned around, and Frank Trigger was coming back here, like, "Oh, it's a few seconds left, so it goes to a no contest," and that's when everything went downhill from there.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. I mean, it sounds like you were living a nightmare in that moment. It's really no, really, no other way to put it.
3: Yeah, it's. I gotta say, it's a roller coaster, man. The highs, are you go going up. I was all the way up, and all of a sudden, I know we just like. Like a giant drop. Everything just fell and just hit the ground.
2: Well, I'm sorry that you had to endure that. Uh, I am looking forward to the rematch, of course. Now, final question. Did you get a chance to watch the main event? I'm sure you were in no mood to watch it when it was going on, but did you have a chance to watch it after the fact?
3: No, I haven't. I've only watched my fight once, and I've been doing media to be honest. I'm just trying to
2: get through this week, you know, get
3: it all over with, and then get back to the drawing board.
2: All right, Corey. Well, always appreciate your time. appreciate how candid you were about this whole situation and I look forward to seeing the rematch hopefully sooner rather than later. Sounds good. Thank you. Canadians are taking center stage in the month of April and of course that means Charles Jordan has to be on the docket. You know Charles, this is a great fight against Groovy Lando Venata, a stylistic matchup I'm sure you love.
4: Absolutely man, The, the, The Groovy is a very good striker, likes to bleed. And a very intriguing matchup because when you fight strikers, you fight them in a way. When you fight grapplers, you fight them in a way. So it was hard to, to know which type of groovy we were going to have. So it was a very interesting man to, to dissect. And we came to the conclusion that it's going to be, uh, yeah, sprawl
2: and brawl. That's the, <laughs> that's the game plan. You think that he's going to be looking to take you down? Because I think of he course. would probably have a lot of fun striking with you because he's just such a dynamic, creative striker just like yourself.
4: Yeah, I hope so, but every time I hope that Erosa and Philly try to get me down, so they're smart guys and they know they double their paycheck with a win, so I need to make sure I'm very aware of that. But yeah, I think he... he, Well, I don't know. I don't think too much. I'm a
2: fighter. I don't think (laughs) I fight. Well, I was surprised by one thing. I was looking at your fights in the UFC. You only have one fight bonus. I don't know how that's possible. Your fights are always so exciting.
4: Hey yeah, it's uh what's her name Amanda something uh, no Angela Hill two times she won my fight of the night bonus cuz she kind of edges me out so I was I was I made sure when Stefan said do you want to be on the uh, do you want to fight Donata this day I said is Angela Hill there he said no I said okay I fight
2: <laughs> I think <laughs> but, some of her um, previous opponents are jealous. on the card
4: though Huh
2: I think two of her previous opponents are headlining though yes. so you know there might yes. be trouble
4: yeah oh my god
2: <laughs> now i'm stressed <laughs> i spoke to mark andre earlier and uh, he was recently added to the card have you had a chance to see him and, and catch up with him
4: yeah i just saw him before i came to the apex uh i we talked a bit and uh you know he got his back against the wall and that's how you perform the best you know it's kill or be killed and he's ready to kill because he's ready to die as well so he, he accepted the good he accepted the the bad and uh He's ready to, you know, put his life on the line for what he loves. So, uh, it, I, he's in very good spirit. People think that being on the edge is a bad thing, but look with me. I was on the edge against Ewell and I performed very well. So, we'll see. I'm, I'm very, very, very happy to have him uh, on the same card as me, especially. And now that Tanner Bowser is out and it was a big, big Canadian card. And, uh, I'm, I'm very
2: glad me and Marc Andre are on it. Are you in the, have you even moved up at all in terms of your position on the card? Uh, was, or is was the co-main event still the one that Tanner was supposed to fight on?
4: I don't know, but probably I'll, I'll, I moved up a bit, but we'll see. People uh, were complaining that I was in co-main event or even main event. So it was funny, you know, do some Twitter, uh, Twitter stuff, because normally when I feel toxic, I open Twitter because there's a lot of toxicity on this beautiful platform. And uh I was reading to uh, the, the the post that even you made and uh, there there was a lot of people that were suggesting that me and Lando could have gone five rounds, but I don't think I have the popularity yet to to take that position and him and himself to neither. But whatever the position, me it's either five rounds or three. And uh yeah, of course I would have loved five rounds for, for Lando, but three is gonna be three is gonna be good.
2: Yeah, this fight on paper doesn't have the strongest main event, but if you look at it, there are a lot of fights that are probably about the same caliber as that main event, like your fight against Lando. Uh, Sumaderji against uh, Manel Kopp is a fantastic fight. There are a lot of really good matchups on this card, very competitive Absolutely. matchups. And
4: one thing I saw came back a lot on the... the people say, oh, boring card equals all the fights are going to be crazy, you know? Because sometimes you have all the... You expect the best card, the best fight, this and that, and it turns out to be... Boring, and then the the under-the-radar card are the banger's card. So I think uh, I think this is going to be a banger card. But hey, I focus on my fight. Me, I know my fight's going to be very fun to
2: watch, and uh, that that's all that matters to me right now. You mentioned you were fighting kind of on the edge in your last fight, and one of the reasons for that is because you became a free agent after that fight. You're now back, yeah. of course, with the UFC. How did that whole process go?
4: Pretty fast because of the Tuporia thing. So uh, I stepped in for Tuporia, We all got the new contract. He got himself a new contract as well. So yeah, everything was on the line. And because uh, you know, uh, you you know me, I'm I'm someone who's very curious about the the all striking uh, kickboxing uh, 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 type of fighting. But uh, that's gonna be for later. Now I, I need to make sure that I go through this contract with the UFC. And uh have proper fights, proper wars, proper money. And then uh yeah, I'm not thinking about uh, going away, don't don't get me wrong, but uh, it's always been in part of my mind to to transition into kickboxing to one of these days. But I'm still very young and uh I'll probably have the opposite of Israel Adesanya's rise. Like uh I'll fight in the UFC, get experience, and uh maybe I'll finish as a world champion kickboxing. <laughs> But hey, I'm, I'm not I don't want to push too much on this idea. I'm very focused on this uh, this weekend. I'm very focused to perform in the UFC, complete this wonderful contract that they allow me to get and uh, yet yeah, take care of business. Uh, this is just uh, in my head. When I think about accomplishment, I, I want to accomplish a lot of things. But right now you focus on one thing. My father always said, if you do one thing, you do it good or you don't do it at all. So this is what I'm going to do.
2: In saying that, obviously, you love the striking game. That's what you're passionate yes, about. So how much time do you spend in comparison to the grappling game? Something that you don't like quite as much, something that you don't really like to deal with in fighters, but something that, of course, is essential to your success in the UFC?
4: I, I learned to love it because it takes them a lot of energy, you know? Because me, I like to stand and bang, and I like I like when guys are getting tired and hurt, and then I finish them. I'm not a one-punch knockout guy. I dropped a lot of guys, but I I'm more of a... I destroy you, your your soul by kicking your leg, kicking your calf, kicking your body, hitting you to the body, the ribs, and then I see that your will to fight is slowly getting away. Then I finally manage to get a TKO. But if you try to shoot me, and then I get up or I, I sprawl, I use my wizard, I pin you to the ground. Like I, I I like the grappling aspect because it's making them lose a lot of energy. So I I I, I fell in love because uh, with with grappling because I know that. Uh, yeah, the, their energy bar, if you like, are getting it's getting down a lot faster than just trading in the middle and just receiving punches and kicks. So I hope he tries to take me down. I hope he tries the grappling aspect. My clinch is very good. I got a very good Muay Thai clinch. So those exchanges are going to be very interesting. And uh, yeah, they, but it's a small cage. So the corners are getting cut very, very quick. And that's what De Rosa did to me. So I need to take that into consideration to not get pinned against the cage. But we worked a lot on that. I'm a very good grappler. I I, I know people think I'm just a striker, but I got a lot of submission wins. I'm a very good uh, grappler as well. I like I, I like to think I think I got mostly overpowered by Desmond Green because I was up a weight class. And I learned a lot from that. Like every fight I get a lot better. And maybe this fight I will, I will prove my grappling ability if he makes a mistake, put his head on the wrong, wrong spot. So yeah, it's a very versatile fight. I don't expect just to stand and bang. I'm, I'm hoping multiple facets of MMA
2: will be shown into this exchange. In a lot of your social media, you post uh, pirate flags. And of course, yeah. it looks like you're kind of dressed like a pirate uh, right now for this interview. Yeah. What's, what's the background behind that?
4: So, la piraterie is mostly, is mostly you go in, you get their heads, you get the goal, and then you fly away, and then you navigate, and then you, you take your boat and you just go to the open sea. For me, it's a way of releasing the pressure of uh, of uh, top 15, world champion, this and that. I don't think about it. I think about going to an isle, uh, getting his head, getting the money, and then just uh, go away, and then I get a contract, a wanton bounty or something, and I'm like, okay, wanton bounty, I can fight this guy for this amount of money, okay, then I go. So this is uh, a way for me to be free in this fighting game that that tells you you need goals, you need this, you need that. Of course I have goals, but I'm not using goals as something bad, as pressure. I'm, I'm going one step at a time, and I'm much more happier with that. So this is where the whole piraterie thing uh, came about.
2: Well, you've got to plunder yourself a, a fight bonus this weekend.
4: Oh, I hope so. I hope so, man. Like, But where are the, 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 the treasures? They're always deep in the sea, so I need to go in those deep waters to get it. And if I don't, it's going to be my fault. Uh, but if I do, it's going to be my 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 fault as well. So, yeah, I'm not very concerned about bonus. I'm concerned about winning and destroying someone. And the bonus... Like they say, it's a bonus. If you're expecting too much, you're kind of pushing it away. And if you just, if you are you and you perform the way you do, the the, the bonus will come, but I'm not chasing it anymore. Uh, it's been a while. Ever since I, I didn't get the one after the Rojo fight, I was like, nah, it's okay. Uh, I'm there, I make money, I make good money, and uh bonus is, is a bonus.
2: Well, that's a good way of, of thinking about it. You know, you've talked to me, of course, in the past about how, you like to have an opponent that kind of scares you, that that makes you a little yeah. bit worried. I'd say that yes. Lando Venata is probably the opponent that, well, I said from Ilya Tafuria, but the opponent that you've been mashed up against, uh, that I, I believe is probably the scariest opponent you faced probably since Andre Feely. Do you feel the same way? I think Choi
4: beats all of them. All of the guy Ilya, uh, Lando, all these guys, I think Duo Choi was very the, the scariest man I've ever fought but i what i see what I see from uh the fights he it he seems very solid, so this is one thing that very concerns me in terms of everything else he's another man he's less tall than erosa in philly, so that's uh, good for me. He's less tall than Ewell as well he has the probably the same reach as I do so in terms of of Anatta, it's not his experience it's not nothing else than the fact that he looks very solid and he's 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 a man. He's a dangerous man. So this is uh, the 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 biggest aspect of him. And then we're I'm gonna see him at the weigh-in. We're gonna face off, and I'll read the energy, I'll read the room and the vibe, and then I'll get a more uh, clean clean uh, vision of the guy. Because in, in my opinion, he's a lot taller than me, a lot bigger. But we're both gonna be 145 at the on the scale, looking at each other. So I can't wait to to feel that uh, that vibe from him. But you know, he's a groovy guy. He's there to fight. I'm there to fight. So it's a
2: very interesting matchup. And last question for you. The featherweight title was recently contested. Uh, A guy who you shared a locker room with once. You told me that one of the scariest guys you've ever been in person with The Korean zombie. uh, Unfortunately, fell short against Alexander Volkanovsky. Man, Volkanovsky looked so good in that fight. Does it inspire you to watch somebody fight at such a high level?
4: Yes, absolutely, and I I always said something like that, that and your good friend, Joseph Valtellini, as well, you fight a good boxer, you kick the shit out of those legs, and then you go over the top when they get uh, overly aggressive because uh, Volkanovski was kicking his calf, his leg, and when he was overdoing it, uh, meaning the Korean zombie, boom, he would hit him over the top with one-two counter and then pull back. So it was a magistral uh, ma- magical performance from Volkanovsky and uh, it solidified my 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 take on uh, s- small details like calf kicks and low kicks against a boxer it's its kicks against ends that take kicks every day me and uh, we we saw that i was very impressed by the strategy and he didn't overdo it so yeah volkanovsky is uh, one terrifying man and now the featherweight knows that. But there's a lot of good guys who are coming up as well.
2: Yeah, it's a very fun division. A lot of great matchups for you, including yes. the one this weekend against Lando Venata. Always love speaking with you, Charles. Uh, best of luck on Saturday.
4: Thank you very much, Aaron. Always a pleasure, my friend.
2: The UFC has so many great Canadians scheduled to compete in April. They had to add Marc-Andre Berrio's short notice assignment against Jordan Wright. Now, Marc-Andre, the last fight obviously didn't go as you had planned. Is the reason for taking such a short notice fight like this... To get that bad taste out of your mouth from the last one? Yes, 100%. So
5: the last fight, you know, it was more like a bump in the road. So I just want to, you know, uh, bounce back from from that loss and just prove to myself and and the UFC that, you know, uh, I belong in this game and I just want more.
2: And that was your first time ever being finished in a fight. Um, What do you remember from the aftermath of it? What was different from your previous fights, obviously, where that had never happened?
5: Yeah, so I've, the thing is, um, I felt a little bit, you know, exhausted in uh, my last training camp. It was a hard camp. Uh, since I joined the Sanford MMA, you know, it's uh, high-level athletes, so every day is a hard day. So I just pushed myself through every day, constantly. So, But I was ready, you know, mentally, physically. But I think, you know, it was just a, a mistake in, in the execution and, you know, cheating was the better man that night, and that's for him, but now I'm completely, completely a new uh, a new mindset. Uh, I feel light,
2: and I'm ready to go. That's how you mentioned on social media. You gotta stay ready, you'll always be ready. So I guess that's the mentality, but I feel like this is better suited. If that was the issue last time around, where you feel like you put a little bit too much pressure on yourself in camp and might've been working a little bit too hard, Maybe these circumstances will end up working out better for you and maybe more opportunities like this will come up in the future. There have been a lot of fighters, including your teammate Gilbert Burns, who have really capitalized on these short-notice assignments.
5: Yes, I I kind of uh, like that. You know, when I I don't put too much pressure on myself, it's where I come, you know, uh, more dangerous. Uh, I I don't let my, 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 my brain think too much. I just flow, let it go. And be myself. So no, I think there's gonna be a fun night uh, Saturday.
2: This is a 190-pound catchweight. Was that part of the agreement for this deal for this particular fight?
5: Yeah. So when I got the call, I just asked, you know, uh, it is it is possible to do at catchweight because uh, I was not heavy, but just just to give give myself some leverage uh, before the fight. Uh, so he yeah, accepted. Right at the bat, and I said, "Okay, let's go and perfect. Everything is everything is perfectly aligned. So let's do this."
2: I'm happy to see that. And, and uh, you look at the guys that you have in that room at Sanford MMA. So many of them have been in camp recently. I mentioned Gilbert, uh, Ian Gary fought recently. So you must be getting some really high-level reps in the lead-up to this fight.
5: Yeah, constantly. You know, since my last fight, you know, I I took maybe uh, two or three weeks off uh, because you know I I got knocked knocked out, but you know, I, I stay around with, with those guys uh, every day. You know, I move with them. And, you know, since the last month, I, you know, I get back into sparring. And every day is a good day. It's challenging. And I, I do
2: really like my, my new family now. Charles Jordan's on this card. How many cards have you been on with him in the past? Because it seems like it's a tradition at this point.
5: Yeah, it's going to be the third time. So uh, the first time was in South Korea uh last time i think it was in march and uh, now uh next weekend so this this weekend so yeah I'm, I'm, i'm very happy to have uh charles with uh with me on the same guard he's a good guy a lot of good energy and yeah
2: but also a tko i think you were on some of the same cards as well no
5: yes yes no back in the days in tko you know we started from uh from young kids with, a, with a
2: big dreams, and we just, you know, we, we, we climbed the, the, the ladder, and now we are. Yeah, it's great to see. And again, so many Canadians on these cards uh, in the coming weeks. Unfortunately, Tanner Bozer had to pull out of this particular card. But it's great to see uh, such a great amount of Canadian talent uh, excel on this level. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, Mike Malott had a, a great performance and a good post-fight speech. TJ Laramie, very tough matchup last weekend. But uh, do you like what you've been seeing from your fellow Canadians? And, uh, and is there anybody that we should keep an eye out for? Uh, maybe there's this training regionally in Quebec that maybe we haven't heard of yet.
5: Yeah, so there's a guy who uh, he, he got signed by uh, the Dana White Contender. So, Johan Lainess. Uh is a serious athlete. Uh, I think he's a very, very good prospect uh, in the welterweight division. So, he's scheduled to fight, I think, it's in two or three weeks. But, no, I think in the next year or so, uh, we're going to have a good, you know, uh, a good team of uh, proud Canadians who represent uh, our country, so I'm
2: very excited about it. Yeah, Johan is a beast. I remember he was on Contender Series, and they, right before the fight, I, I tweeted out, the odds for him to get a knockout in this fight are 7 to 1. I'm thinking, this, that's all this guy does. The guy's just a he's, a, he's a machine. So uh, that ended up working out well, but uh, yeah, his, his first fight's coming up very soon, and uh, I spoke to him very recently. He seems very, very focused.
5: Yeah, he is very confident. He worked hard. and uh, know, he's a very good human being and a, a phenomenal athlete. So yeah, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, his path and uh, the yeah. I'm I'm very excited about about him.
2: Now, what do you think of your opponent, the Beverly Hills Ninja, as he's known, Jordan Wright?
5: Yeah, so no, uh, I do really think it's a, it's a very good matchup for me, and I don't think for I'm a good matchup for him uh, because you know. Uh, he's more like a karate style, he don't like pressure, he don't like to get, get hit and I don't think he, uh, he has a good chin, so you know, um, I'm the power bar, I hit hard, um, I like to, to push the pace, go forward, So, but the thing is, he is really willing to uh, to fight, so I'm very happy, I think he's going to be a banger, so yeah, I'm very happy, I can't wait to uh, to dance with him, yeah.
2: Well, one thing that you're particularly good at is drowning your opponents, tiring them out. You mentioned that you're the power bar. It's not just because of the power in your hands. It's because you have endless electricity. Now, this is a guy who has never gone beyond 50 seconds into the second round in his 15-fight career. Do you think that it would be an advantage for you to really tire him out as much as possible early on and hope that it gets into the later rounds so that you can get a finish maybe in the second, third round?
5: Yes, 100%. So it's, it's part of the, the, the game plan. You know, I, I just want to come... Uh, aggressive, uh, aware, but I just want to do my things. But more the fight goes, more I'm dangerous. So you know, uh, you better be ready uh, for a hard night. And yeah, uh, I, I do think it's gonna, it's he's gonna be, it's uh, gonna be uh, dangerous in the first round. He likes to kick, flashy, but I'm just gonna be composed, patient, pick my shots, and do what I do best. So yeah, I'm very excited.
2: Not to mention an easier weight cut than usual to 190 pounds. So that'll probably be beneficial to your cardio going into this fight.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. uh, I'm very happy about the catch weight. So, you know, right now I feel strong. Uh, I don't have to cut too much weight. So, no, uh,
2: it's going to be a fun night. Well, we're looking forward to it. Lots of great Canadians uh, fighting in the UFC on the horizon, yourself included. I'm glad that you got added to this particular card uh, because... There are so many great talents from the Great White North on these cards, and I really appreciate your time. As always, Mark andre best of luck uh, against the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright. Thank you, sir. See you. Pleased to be joined now by Tyson Pedro, who returns to the UFC after about a three-and-a-half-year vacation from the sport, not vacation, because you've had to have two pretty major surgeries. Uh, to walk us through what you've been through since we last saw you in the Octagon.
6: Yeah, I've been through a lot, so I don't know if we've got enough time for that, <laughs> but uh, we it was um, a failed surgery. I had, uh, they used the hamstring, and um, when I went to, I was actually uh, booked to fight another fighter at CKB, and uh, I re-toured re-tour the meniscus there. So, um, went back, got that fixed up, and during COVID, I was training at home and uh tore the meniscus. Uh, When I went to when I went to see the surgeon for that one, it was a new surgeon and they said that the ACL hadn't been put in the right tunnel from the previous surgery. So I had to make the decision whether I wanted to start from scratch or they could do like a quick fix. But uh, if they did that, there was still a high chance. So the minimum for your second ACL surgery is 12 months rehab. First one's nine months uh, because the return to sports like a 10 percent chance of return to sport if you do it a third time. So. Um, uh, that was the hardest decision made made that choice but um yeah it wasn't easy for sure so how much time
2: overall were you rehabbing all of those different surgeries like if you were to combine it
6: uh, uh so nine months uh then three months for the meniscus and then 12 months for the second surgery so yeah probably two whole years
2: that's that's unbelievable. So yeah. that must have been uh, very taxing on you, especially I think from a mental standpoint. Obviously, physically yeah. it hurts, but in order to to just push yourself to get through that, especially mm. a second time, uh, must have been incredibly mentally taxing. It must be a real relief for you to be here this week.
6: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been a long road, but um, I, I, I always visualize being back here. So it's in this weird way, uh, there's like this. Um, I I guess also I was lucky that uh, uh COVID happened that I think that slowed down um everyone so I, d- I don't feel like I missed as much but it's yeah um mentally it was taxing definitely I wasn't it wasn't as straightforward as it sounds um it was uh, a roller coaster for sure
2: Do you think that you're going to be very emotional both at weigh-ins and when you're walking to the cage
6: Uh definitely not when I'm walking like that's so, uh, well actually who, who can say that um uh, I expect to always just be calm that's why I have my like feel good music but uh i think uh, i think afterwards i'll definitely be emotional when uh, the like um enormity of everything that's happened over the last four years um like yeah reaches that sort of tipping point point um that i've accomplished what i sort of sought out to get back to is it
2: almost better in this one instance that there aren't going to be that many fans in attendance because i'm sure walking into an arena like if it was at marvel stadium or something and you were coming back and this was your comeback that would probably be a, be a lot to take in
6: yeah, I, I don't know. I live for that shit. Like, I love the crowd. Uh, but um, I think definitely, like, this one isn't so much about making a statement. It's getting out there, getting the job done, feeling what the cage feels like again, uh, octagon, whatever. I don't want to, And, um, you know, just uh, getting comfortable in that environment again. So, yeah, definitely. But also, I've never fought in um, the apex sort of like that. So, it'll be like when I was amateur days fighting in the pub.
2: Do you think that you're going to be a better fighter now than you were before? Like, have you had a, enough time to really improve upon your game?
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, mentally, uh, my fighter IQs increase. I'm more patient. Uh, I'm stronger. My, my body's changed. So, and I'm just wiser. It's been four years. I'm like, uh, it's like I've gone from a kid to a man. So uh, I've changed so much in the last eight months, let alone the last 14 weeks again. So, uh, um, obviously, having my daughter changed like changed a lot as well. So um, I'm a completely different person. It's like I'm debuting again, to be honest.
2: Now this is a great matchup for you. You look at Ike Villanueva, what he brings to the table. I think that wherever this fight takes place, if you are the Tyson Pedro that, we, that we're accustomed to seeing, uh, that's mm-hmm. basically a big advantage for you everywhere.
6: Yeah, strategically, it's a good fight. Like. Uh, I never to underestimate an opponent because everyone, there's, there's no easy fights, but definitely if it's standing or on the ground, um, there's not much footage of him uh, like uh, his ground works, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm comfortable there. Yeah,
2: you've got some fantastic uh, submission skills. I mean, we saw you beat Paul Craig years ago, and, and I think that in this division at light heavyweight, uh, there are very few uh, fighters that are really good with submissions. I think you and Paul are, are two glowing examples of that.
6: Mm. yeah i i think that was a cool thing that uh that was like my niche definitely in Light heavy um i've seen an increase in the skill uh there's definitely um spots that we still slip in there so uh that's um yeah i'm excited the whole division's changed since i've been i been gone so it's um there's a lot of new blood in there
2: were you offered other opponents or was Ike the first name that uh, came across your desk uh
6: i think because The original fight, I can't remember who it was against, but yeah, I think there's three different opponents possibly, but Ike was the one for this fight. Now I know you are completely
2: different weight classes, but you've trained with Alexander Volkanovsky in the past. His previous bout against the Korean Zombie is one of the best performances you will ever see. It just looked like they were on two completely different levels, even though we know how good the Korean Zombie is. Do you take inspiration from watching a performance like that, somebody who you've been in there with?
6: Yeah, for sure. And, um, like, I've spoken to him about his, because it's his mentality that's different to other people. That's what sets him apart. And uh, I've sat down and spoken with him about that. And, like, he even wrestled with me. Like, uh, he's just a different breed of human. And, like, uh, they'll split up into the small guys and the big guys, and he'll jump in with the big guys. Like, he loves this. So, um, yeah, definitely. And he's, like, told me some things that, like, uh, definitely changed the way I look at um fighting as well.
2: I saw an interview with you on Sky Sports. You talked about how after this fight, you're looking to go to New Zealand and train at City Kickboxing for some time. Uh, How long are you planning on staying out there for?
6: No idea at this moment, Um, as long as the wife (laughs) lets me uh, out. I haven't really spoken to her too much about moving over there, but uh, she's, uh, yes, hopefully she hasn't seen the Sky interview yet because I'll have to talk to her about it first. And hopefully she doesn't have satellite television to watch uh,
2: TSN in Canada or have a VPN that she's using for TSN to go and and check out our interview here. Uh, I'll I'll make sure I keep it close to the vest. Sweet. Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, So with City Kickboxing and uh, and that camp, I know you have gotten some work there before, but are you looking to make that kind of your full-time home going forward?
6: Yeah, like uh, I, I trained there for in the first time when I injured my leg, and then I did the uh, and I well pre uh, before this fight I trained again. Uh, I was planning on doing my camp here, but I camped there for this fight. But um, obviously COVID stopped that, um, and it's just a fit for fit for me. And um, I like Eugene's uh, cornering me this fight. Um, the team, uh, the way they break down fighting, uh, it's just. Um, yeah, it's everything that I wanted to a fight camp, and I'm glad that that accepted me to come down.
2: Now, I did a newsletter and put together my awards for the first quarter of 2022, uh, at the end of the quarter. And the fighter of the year, in my eyes, was your brother-in-law, Tai Tuivasa, mm-hmm. who's uh, just completely reinvented himself, as become a, a heavyweight contender after, you know, a bit of a slippery ride early on. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what has changed in his development? Why has he become so much more
6: consistent as a fighter? Probably was drinking less because he was in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, I don't know. He's um maybe switched on a bit more with training. You can see he's uh, uh developed more as a martial artist. He used to just take it like as fighting. Now he's starting to realize that uh, bettering yourself in martial arts is the way to go. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that he's doing everything right. He keeps doing it. He can have the belt. He can fight. He can uh, knock out anyone in that top uh, – well, anyone actually. So, uh, it's um, just good to see him.
2: And you and him have gone yeah. into business together. Uh, tell us about yeah. that venture.
6: Yeah, we're doing uh Drink West at the moment. So um, if you just want to invest, you can uh, head to virtual.com. But uh, it's been an awesome uh, um, experience doing that business. Like we have no, no idea about beer. We've um, made our own lager. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been cool to learn. And we just did a, a big ad. We're building a brewery. And uh, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, we're just—it's been a cool experience to see the people that have been able to uh, get involved with it as well. well.
2: You're a lot more reserved than Ty. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying that, but can we expect to see you do a, a shoey after this uh, this fight on the weekend if you uh, walk away victorious?
6: Hell no, they <laughs> can keep all that shit. But uh, yeah, I've drank enough beers now. I had I had four years off. I just want a quick turnaround. I want to fight again. So I got to get paid. So are you anti-shoey? Have you done a shui in the past? Oh yeah, I've done plenty of shoeys, but, <laughs> but I'm retired now.
2: Why Why the spit? That, that's my big question. As somebody who uh, lives a, a, an 18 to 20-hour flight from uh, Oceania, I, the spit is the part I don't get. I would gladly drink beer out of a shoe. I have no problem with that. Yeah. But the spit, yeah. I, I just, I can't do it. Yeah.
6: To be fair, you don't need to ha- have a flight to not understand that because <laughs> I don't understand that either. Um, <laughs> they, they can keep all that spitting. Like, he gets numerous people to do it as well. It's like a concoction, but yeah, that's uh, he can keep that. Oh, so that's not part of the tradition of the shoey. That that that's just something I mean, pie is a, a signature? I don't know if he's yeah, I don't know if he's added his own flavour. I know a lot of Aussies do it, but yeah, it's um it's it's definitely not my thing, but I enjoy watching him do it.
2: <laughs> so all of your shoes in the past have been spit free?
6: Yeah. Oh, actually, I can't promise. <laughs> some of the Shui's have been pretty drunk, and if ties around, then I'm sure that there was he would have spat in it.
2: Well, it's okay. I mean, while you guys aren't blood brothers, you guys are brother-in-laws, it's, a, you know, essentially the same saliva.
6: Yeah, I don't know. We've like, yeah. been pretty drunk to do some dumb stuff, so he's probably spat in my mouth. Oh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so
2: you're sober now? Is that the plan? Like you say, you're, you're done with beers, Period.
6: No, I can't say I'm done with beers. Period. I've got a beer company, but uh, it's um, just uh, I just want to get in and fight again. I've had so much time off. Like I, I don't I don't want to waste any time. I've got to, I'm playing catch up at the moment.
2: So your plan, playing, of course, if everything goes well on Saturday, is to get right back in there, kind of thing. Like you're
6: 100%, as quick as I can. So um, if the like uh, I guess it'll be dependent on when I get back to New Zealand, but uh, yeah, I'll, a quick turnaround is the goal.
2: Is it something of a disadvantage for fighters that live obviously in, in Oceania versus being able to pick up the phone and be in a city within three, four days? Uh, is is it kind of a disadvantage that you're not obviously not their first phone call if they're looking for somebody?
6: Yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure. I've been out for four years, so <laughs> they haven't really been calling me. <laughs> you haven't been doing research on the culture of what's going on with the matchmakers. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Like everyone's new here. Like the um, I, everything's changed. So I, it's a debut again for me.
2: All right. Well, we're looking forward to your, uh, we'll call it a re-debut. Looking forward to it, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon.
6: Beautiful. Thank you very much, brother.
2: This weekend, we'll see if Dean Barry can handle the truth. Mike Jackson back in action this weekend. And this is the match that they've been trying to make. Why is Dean Barry the guy they keep trying to match you up with for like the last two years? Man, I, you know, so
0: this was the original matchup. Um, you know, actually, Dean and I are the ones who set this fight up. You know, he—he, he, uh, I guess his his management got my name from the UFC for a potential matchup, and then he messaged me on Instagram, and he was just like, "Hey, man, like, no disrespect. Um, I got your name. You know, are you are you even fighting?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was kind of getting back in the training, whatever," and whatever. Like, this was probably maybe, like, the end of August of 2020. And um, we did it for probably the August, September. So probably August to, like, early November. We're kind of, like, damn each other. And then I was like, bro, like, you got a whole management team. Like, like I, t- I agreed to the fight. Tell your people I agree to the fight, and then let's make it happen. Well, he's pestering me, like, bro, like, call Mick. Call, like – that's your boy, blah blah, and I'm like, dog, like, I'm just here. You got a management team. I'm not hitting makeup. First of all, he's not even our matchmaker. Like, he ain't got shit to do with him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we finally got it in December. We got the contracts, uh, but they told us it was well, at least they told me it was going to be in Vegas. Well, 'cause I think the fight was going to be in February. So let's say like early January. I can't remember the exact time frame, but it was it was. Maybe a month out of the fight, and um, they said, "Hey, we need your passport." And I was like, "What? I don't need passport to Vegas." They're like, "Nah, you're going to fight out in Abu Dhabi." And I was like, "Fuck, all right, uh, let's see." Because I lost my passport, I was like, "All right, let's see what we can do." And then I couldn't get the passport in time. Then they uh, we moved it to May in Vegas. Well, then he was having visa issues because of like the pandemic and lockdown and shit. So then it was just really a waiting game to get everything kind of cleared up. And then uh, I had been running into to Sean a few times. And I chopped it up with him. I, I, I sent him a little message on Twitter and shit. Like, yo, like these motherfuckers tagging me. I'm ready. Let's let's boogie. And then um he finally emailed me and he was like, hey, you ready? And I was like, fuck it, let's dance. So I think it was the fight has always been there. There's just been like these these we're, we're just living in a wild time, like we're living in different times, and you have to factor in these other variables that people really don't factor in. And so we just had some shit happen, but, you know, we're good to go now. This Saturday, I get to fucking cook this cat.
2: After the CM Punk fight, did they offer you any other fights? I mean, you've been in the uh, USADA pool yeah. for this whole time. No, so- yeah, they,
0: they they did. Uh, I was offered, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but it was on the on the Argentina card in that November. Um, and then I write literally the week I got the email from Sean, um, I end up getting hurt training. And so I let him know. I was like, Hey, cause I, could I or initially, I, I I need to figure out what's up with his email. Cause I have to email him like two or three times. The first ones never go through, but I emailed him originally. I, I, I said, Hey, I'm down. Literally the next day I go train. I get injured and I'm like, shit. All right. But I had heard from like, as a response yet. So I was end up talking to Nick about something regular, random, or whatever, and he said, like, "Hey, by the way, it's Shaman trying to reach out to you." So then I just forwarded my previous emails like, "Hey, I accepted the fight. I, I don't know what's going to email, but this happened. Um, you know, let's let's postpone it." And so he was just like, "Cool," you know. He, he would just let me know that he, he not, you know, he was offering me the fight. Um, and so for me, look, I understand why I'm at. You know, I, look, I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm an outlier, but I'm like, a, a, I'm a, an outlier in the sport, so to speak, given you know what I do and, and what I bring to the table as far as you know in the MMA community. Um, so for me, I know that I need to be, I, I'll never be 100. percent That's you know where my body is with age and training, and shit. Uh, but I wanted to be as close as I could uh, to that, or you know to that, and and, and I want to be the most optimal. Uh, uh, for once I step back in there you know so for me it was all about the uh, uh, the recovery process Um, but then I started picking up things uh, like actual training recovery right so I wanted to let injury recovery but then I wanted to also add the recovery process from training getting massages going to the chiropractor uh, you know floating all these things um, because I again I want to I want to be able to optimize my performance, you know? And so I've been doing all those things, coming out here to the PI, uh, getting these tests run. And even they're like, oh, shit, like this is the, these numbers that you're putting up right here, you know what I'm saying? So for me, I, I feel this is the moment in time where I'm my best version of myself. And so, it, it, you know, if, if the fight would have happened in February, what was that February last year, a year ago, um, i definitely I would be talking way different because I I was I wasn't in now mentally, physically, you know, preparing for a fight. But with this extra year to to, you know, process shit, I guess, man, I'm on a I'm on just a different man and, and, and we're gonna see that Saturday night. We're gonna see some really cool shit.
2: Well, definitely looking forward to that. Now of course you've been in the UFC I guess your last fight was nearly four years ago. So, during this downtime, do you wish that perhaps you would have been able to take fights in in smaller regional promotions? Or are you just happy to be on the UFC roster? Because, like you mentioned, very unconventional path.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. So, look, man, I'm doing all this shit for the shits and giggles, right? So, for me, look, and I tell people, man, if I never fought again, that's cool, too. You know, I don't have to. I'm not fighting to, like, provide for myself or my family or anything like that. I'm playing with house money at this point. You know what I'm saying? So, for me, it, that's what it's about. Um... I get to come out here and, and, and hang out. It'd be, it's a cool vibe out here at the PI, man. The, the entire, they got a great staff, great team of people. Um, so it's just been a cool little experience. And uh, I, I'm enjoying the process, enjoying the ride and we gonna keep it going
2: um, after this fight. Have you spoken to CM Punk since your fight with him?
0: No, like, we kind of like, probably like been mentioned in some tweets together or some shit like that. But uh, nah, we we haven't spoken. Uh, I mean, look, man. I, I, and even in that, right? People, I had an interview with with DC earlier today. I was talking to him, and, and we brought him up, and and to the point, I was like, look, I, I could have really hurt that. Like, if I would have been there with a fighter's mindset, like I could have hurt that guy, right? Because now he's he's back in pro wrestling. He was doing like some commentary on on like some MMA pro, you know, uh, uh, promotions. Uh, if I would have went out there and hurt this dude to the point where he could, you know do what he's doing now, I kinda would have felt bad inside, you know, because I understood the I understood what he was doing. Like he was just trying some shit out, see if it worked. Didn't work. Cool. He wasn't trying to be like a champion or be the best or no shit like that. So it it made no it made no sense for me to go out there and fucking melt this dude. But he called me a can. That's how this shit motherfuckers be branding mouth and that's kinda how it start but you know he called me a can or some shit like that and I had to prove I was like, all right. You're gonna get this ass whooping. I have like I basically had to big brother him. you know what I'm saying? And, and so uh I, I'm really I I look back at the fight, did I make I made a some crazy mistakes that I wouldn't make now, but again, it was because I was in a I, I was in like a training, a sparring mentality for that, as opposed to like a fight, you know. And for me, I don't know who are other people, but for me, those are two different mindsets. You know, sparring is one mindset. And when you're getting ready for it or when you end a fight with somebody, that's a whole different mindset, you know? So for me, I went in there with the sparring mindset and, and did what I had. Look, I, I sent that dude to the emergency room. Just bullshitting.
2: So for this fight with Dean Barry, you're going to have a completely different I'm mindset? I'm going market. out here to kill this
0: motherfucker. Hey, I'm on a different level right now, my guy. I'm in a different mentality. I'm a different, different mindset. Uh, my confidence level. Is the highest it's ever been right now. And it's because of all the things that's behind me. It's all about uh, the men, developing the, the mental aspect of fighting right, getting that shit right, getting my body in physical physical form uh, and top form, uh, my endurance level. Look, I'm going to push it. Like, you know, it's funny. I saw somebody put a little meme. I guess he did an interview, and he said something like he going to put, put a pace on me or some shit. First of all, you're a little motherfucker. Like, how you going to put a pace on me? I'm bigger than you. I'm a hitter. He ain't never been hit like me by, by a cat like me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and he's really going to understand that. Like, th- there's levels to this. And he's just not, he's not at this point, man, because I, I, I'm on a different cat right now.
2: So, so what you mean is he's, he's a 55er, right? And you're a pretty big welterweight. So is, is that what you're...
0: It's like, you know, to my, to my understanding, I mean, yeah, he's he done the 55 fights, but to my understanding, um, he's looking to go to 45. I, first of all, I have to like, to, for me to make 55, I've done 55 before, but for me to make 55, I gotta go get like a dietitian. I gotta, man, I gotta really like process this shit. Man, I was having burgers and pasta last week. You know what I'm saying? Because I was getting true food tour. You know what I'm saying? I like to eat, uh, but what we carving it up. And so when you add these things into it, I just he he doesn't have. And again, I don't want to take away from his skill set or what he presents it's not about that because i I feel that I know there's dangers involved and all these things right but when you factor in my skills what I'm able to do on top of my experience on top of my size on top of my endurance it's hard for me to 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 really think that this guy can beat me or this kid can beat me you know what I'm saying again not to take anything away from if this was a 55 fight we're, i i ha- we, we having a different conversation. If there's a 45 fight, of course we're having a different conversation. But this is at 170, and you're not, he's not a 170er. And if you're already talking about, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to 45, the what? And these are his ways you know. I thought, and I, I don't, because I think someone had said he had fought at 45 or something like that. I know he fought at 55, but if 45 is even on your mind, you're too small. You're a baby, you know what I'm saying? You're too little for me. Um, so again, I'm gonna punch this dude in his face a lot, and shit, he ain't ever been punched like a cat like me.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of people look at you and they think this guy's a, a journalist. A lot of people said, "Oh, he's the journalist," uh, but you yeah. have a ton of um, martial arts experience, and you train day in and day sure. out with a guy like Crew Bob Perez, who's you know, of course, trains. Day j- course. I mean,
0: it is a crazy thing, right? Like people, if you. It, you have a lot of uneducated people who are just talking shit. They don't really know what they are talking about. Um, I have these people who like, "Oh, you're 0 one." I'm like, "Wait, in fighting?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I like, dude. If I take, I, I'm if I'm my all combat sports. Let's see, four, five. Let's see, four boxing, four knockouts, kickboxing, knockouts. That's five wins. All knockouts, right? In striking sports. Then I have, I have the punk win, so that's six. Then I have the gall loss, and then I have a decision loss in the Muay Thai bout. So I'm like six and two in combat sports. What are we talking about here? And five of those are knockouts. Like not like we're not talking about TKOs. I'm fly, I'm leaving people face down on the canvas in eight ounce and ten ounce gloves. Like what are we talking about here? Like I'm a hitter, and when I get to punch this little motherfucker in his face uh, on a Saturday, he's gonna understand that whatever the shit that he saw on seeing everybody, that's the whole thing. And then all the shit that you saw in the punk fight, that's r re- I'm not only what am I not that person now? I wasn't fighting, I was sparring. Like that's that's different levels, right? So you're gonna see me not only not spar, you're gonna see a whole new level of fighting. And it's going to be some nasty, violent shit. I'm going to punch him in the face a lot. My objective is to break his nose, um, probably with, like, two or three jabs, two or three clean jabs for me, and his nose is gone, you know? I ran into him today day at the pool. He seems like a nice cat, um, but he's just not that big. And that's the problem. It's like you don't have a skill set that I'm concerned about to the sense, like, oh, shit, right? So when I fought Mickey, I'm, I'm concerned about a fucking brown belt. And then on top of that, right, the, for the Mickey fight, I, I like to do my little thing where I go see how big they are, what their reach is and all that shit. I was my mistake because I had his reach of like 72 or something, whatever the internet said. And then that motherfucker was like, Hey, you got these goddamn Michael Phelps arms and shit, these fucking shoulders. He was long and everything. So and, and I have all these things to worry about with this kid. And again, and not to take I don't want to take away from his abilities, but when I think about threats to me and what I, pre- what I present, you know, he just don't have them. He got a lead leg kick, I guess, and he probably hits hard, I guess, for like a 55 or some shit like that. But, again, there's levels to this. You're coming up 15 pounds. <laughs> I am going to punch this dude so hard, and right now my level of power, whoo-wee. Because again, I'm getting the recovery process. I'm getting a massage. I'm getting a Cairo and all these things that are making my body better. So, yeah, when I hit him in the face, he, he really. I, I, just, I don't feel he knows what he's gotten himself into, if I'm being honest.
2: Well, you're in Las Vegas right now. The odds for this fight are what I like to call Bellator odds. He, he's a minus Ooh, 1,200 wow. favorite. <laughs> so, are hey, you going to wow. be, are you gonna be uh, putting some money, some bonus money on yourself I, trying to get it yourself i on. was trying
0: i was i was trying to get me to plus a thousand i think last time i checked i was like plus 600 if i can get anywhere if i can get to like 750 i'm definitely trying to put like a g on my i'm gonna either put a g on myself um you know for this and uh i, I think it is just this is a steal man like this is a crazy odds and again i get it i don't like i'm not upset or anything like, i don't give a fuck about it um because again you have the kid who's 4-1, and one, he's coming off some, you know, all, I think all knockouts or whatever. Uh, and then you have me who they, they take the golf fight in, per, in perspective, and then they have the the whole thing about me not knocking out. Which is the craziest shit to me. I have people trying to troll me. It was like, yo, like, you went to a decision with Punk. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, that shit, that shit is shit-talking, but whatever. So, when you factor in those two fights, it makes sense where the odds would be how they are. But, again, that, none of that matters you know what i'm saying none, literally none of that matters except me and this kid get into the cage and me fucking him up
2: well some advice for you if you are going to do that wait until closer to the fight because that's when the lines tighten up and that's when if you are taking a big underdog the underdog value goes up so if you are looking for that plus okay. one thousand, man, maybe wait till friday night saturday after the weigh-ins cool, cool. pop over to uh, one of the books and
0: oh uh, uh, yeah 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 i'm gonna try i'm gonna try maybe i like walk to the scale like i cut a lot of weight or some shit i don't know <laughs> I'll I'll add a little showmanship. To I like it, that know, idea. From, Grasp your stomach. I learned, stomach, I learned that coughing. from punk. I learned that from punk, man. It was funny, so I I don't think I ever told the story. So we're doing the it's media day. We're doing the face-offs, and I, I have an idea how rough his size is, and so um, we go. We meet up. We you know we, we walk up to each other, right? And I look at him and I said, said damn, you're taller than I expected." He didn't even break character, he said I got on lifts. And if you look if you go back and watch the face off, I give like a smirk and then Dana starts laughing. Like when Dana laughed, that's because he heard, he was right there, right? And Dana starts laughing. I'm trying not I'm trying to hold it in. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying to hold character and shit. And and but it, it was a funny little moment. But uh yeah, man, I may do a little get a little showmanship out there, you know, see if we can get them odds like. Plus thousand or something like that, and, and, and fucking go ahead and make a little killing on the
2: side. All right, well, if you're listening to this interview, you now have some some inside stuff for uh, some Ahmad Rashad inside stuff. Remember NBA inside stuff, some inside Yo, stuff from Mike Jackson. Um, so if you there if you, you look go. terrible at weigh-ins, it's because you know you're trying to trying to get some value. <laughs> I, of
0: course, I hope that you don't, the makers don't watch this interview until after. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Mike, always appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck on Saturday. It'd be it be nice to see you back in the cage for the first you, time in nearly four years against Dean Barry, and always a pleasure speaking with you.
0: My God, man, appreciate you.
2: A big thank you to all of our guests on this week's show, Bilal Muhammad, Corey Anderson, Charles Jordan, Marc-Andre Berrio, Tyson Pedro, and Mike Jackson. And to you, the listener, for tuning in week in and week out. Or if you're a first-time listener, thank you. I appreciate you joining us here on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. You can subscribe to the show wherever podcasts are found. But if you do so, I ask one favor. Give us a five-star review, a nice write-up about the show. Always appreciate seeing those, and it certainly helps our SEO value for those that are looking to find the show. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the
1: TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.